coming up, we're talking about the penultimate story in Doctor Who's 12th series. It's Ascension of the Cybermen. Welcome to the weekly-ish Doctor Who podcast, Cloyster Bell, hosted by us, Liam and Rob. Hello, Liam. All right. Hi, Rob. Yes, very well. Thanks. Yes. Just uh, to clarify, we have actually pressed record this time. <laughs> yes, we have. Thankfully, we realised um, before we went into the full reams of conversation, uh, before realising we hadn't actually pressed record, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I- I'm pleased that in the, uh, the preamble, you said that we've, uh, we've now become a weekly-ish podcast. <laughs> Rather than a weekly Doctor Who podcast. Oh, jeez. It's these. Blame Chibbers. Yeah. Putting Doctor Who on a Sunday and all that nonsense. <laughs> and, you know, what with life and everything getting in the way. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, obviously, th- there will be spoilers, but most people would have probably watched the episode at this point. <laughs> and uh, so, keeping in mind the fact that when this goes out, the final episode of the series would have been broadcast but whilst we're recording this we haven't seen it yet that's right yeah so we've seen ascension of the cybermen but we haven't seen the timeless children i think it's called Timeless children all ah, right okay i might be wrong more importantly this is the 50th episode of cloister bell podcast blimey really 50 yeah big 5-0 yeah 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 I wonder what, what what was the 50th Doctor Who story? The 50th story? Yeah. Are we talking um, 50th serial or individual episode? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, be interesting to know what both are. Again, I suppose we could Google it, but I can't be bothered. I'm sure they knew what, knew what they were doing by the 50th episode. Like yeah. they weren't like... Has anyone pressed record yet? <laughs> We're not quite as professional yet. We'll be on that level one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, maybe... You know this whole thing, you know, that there's these missing Doctor Who stories. Maybe it's this huge cover-up that they weren't yeah. actually broadcast. It was that the BBC had actually forgotten to press record on the video player. Ah, yes. <laughs> and uh, they weren't actually broadcast. And people have got this false memory that they've watched these stories, but it, it's it's all a nonsense. They never existed. They never existed in the first place, yeah. Spoiler warning now? Uh, yep, so um, you, you probably all watched it anyway, but for, for the odd handful of people who may not have seen Ascension with the Cybermen, um... Yeah, we're basically discussing everything in the episode, so it will be spoilers. Yeah. In a galaxy still dealing with the aftermath of the deadly cyber wars, the 13th Doctor and her companions are separated both from each other and from the TARDIS. Banding together with the last dredges of humanity, I thought it said dregs, they must all attempt to find Koshamus and and the boundary before Ashad or any other remaining Cyberman forces can locate them and who is Brendan the abandoned baby who is Brendan is that a clue <laughs> god he's not another doctor is he friggin hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, 
Possibly, because his character does prove to be quite interesting, and um, just as you think you've got a handle on that aspect of the story, it takes a completely left turn. But we'll yeah. get, but we'll get to that. The cast and crew this week, of course, apart from the fam, we have Sasha Darwin returning as the master, Patrick O'Kane as Ashad, the lone Cyberman, Julie Graham as Ravio, Ian Mc. <laughs> I'll get this wrong. McLinney. Yeah, I'm convinced. Yep. Alex Austin as Gedlami. Steve Toussaint as Fikat. Rhiannon Clements as Bescott. Matt Carver as Ethan. Jack Osborne as Fusco. Evan McCabe as Brendan. Branwell Donaghy as Patrick. Ola O'Rourke as Meg. Andrew Macklin as Michael. And Colin Bryan as the Sergeant. Uh, the writer this week was Chris Chibnall. <laughs> the director once again was Jamie Magnus Stone who's previously, previously directed Spyfall Part 1 and Praxius in keeping with the previous episodes this one has a pre-title scene um, bits of Cybermen are drifting in space and we close in on a circa 2006 Cyberman head mm-hmm. um, the original Cybermen from the Russell T. Davis era, as well as the Daleks, they've tried to get rid of them over the years, but they just keep coming back. What is it about the repeal that brings them back? Do you think? I think it was a case of that. Well, um, Russell T. Davis's era was very good at um, rebooting or making relevant again, if you like, the uh, these classic villains through the redesign and the approach of the stories. Uh, and have become uh, iconic in their own way. Yes, they were based on what had gone on before, but had, but the, the design of them was updated uh, and, and grabbed people's attention. And also the fact that that period of the show was when it, uh, the show was arguably at the height of its uh, popularity, uh, and so it, it it evokes those memories. And plus, it's you know, it's a, it's just a good classic design. Yeah. Um, you know, it it just looks good. And it's only had one redesign since, which is the Nightmare and Silver. Is that right? Up until now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there've been there's been various uh, sort of tweaks uh, here and there. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, I think you're right. I think that was certainly the the, the most obvious uh, redesign where it become a bit slicker. But yeah, it's sort of slicker. The chest unit was redesigned a bit. Um, they could move um, at super speeds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> Uh, and it was this. I, I quite like the because that episode I wasn't particularly keen on, but I did like this idea that um, the Cybermen were able to adapt uh, very quickly, um, looking on the technology technological side of them, and um, whatever one Cyberman learned, they were able to basically pass on to all the other Cybermen. Um, so you could actually argue that that was maybe the Borg from Star Trek influencing the Cybermen in in New Doctor Who because a lot of people have said that really the, the Borg are clearly sort of Star Trek's version of the Cybermen the Cybermen got there first and sort of but I think it's a neat idea uh, in of itself and uh, I think that that was one thing that I took from that episode I thought was, was quite good we'll have a voiceover over the scene um, that which is dead can live again in mm. the hands of a believer um, yes. Is any of this a quote, or is it a, is it relevant in some way? I'm not familiar with. If it's a quote, uh, I didn't I didn't uh, pick up where it could come from, but um, 
I, I just assumed it was uh, it was something written specifically for the episode. Uh, if it uh, maybe should look into that at some point, but um, I thought it was it was quite good. It established it, and when we were talking about the haunting of Velo Diodanti uh, in the previous podcast, one of the things I was talking about when we were looking at the, the character of Ashad, the, uh, the 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 lone Cyberman. I, you know, I was talking about how through the performance and the way that that character was written, uh, he really established uh, that he was a threat, and there was this idea that that he was quite uh, quite extreme. And I remember um, when we were recording that podcast, I was going to follow up on that point a bit, but I held back a little bit, I, and I, I wish I, I hadn't because because what I was thinking was it was this idea that the Cybermen. Because they're this entity which has already which has already been established back in um, nineteen sixty six and has continued, which is this idea that they you know they want to make people like themselves, you know, convert people, mm. um, uh, and that was just a scary idea. The idea that you know you would remove your humanity and become a robot or something encased in this life support system and that sense of claustrophobia. But it's sort of interesting. Now, certainly in the, the early 21st century, that idea of wanting to destroy what you are and convert you into something else, that idea has become, resonates in a much more different way. I think most people would look at that idea and go, right, okay, that is an extremist ideology. That is the ideology of a terrorist, and I remember I was thinking about that when we were, you know, when we were talking about it. But I didn't say that, and I wish I had because I think it's it, because uh, it would have preempted. I think what we see in this episode, I think it really plays on mm-hmm. that that idea. And you can destroy. Um, I mean, in this case, because we're talking about Doctor Who and the Cybermen, you can destroy the physicality of of, of Cybermen, but uh, the the idea of what they are cannot die. It's like that thing, you know, you cannot destroy an idea. And I, I felt that that opening, that opening scene uh, with that, uh, uh, with that voiceover was, um, was, I think, sort of triggering those ideas. I mean, I, do you, I, I mean, did you pick up on that or do you think I'm just, I'm looking too um, deep into I, this? No, I didn't pick up on that, but I love it when themes and ideas kind of, or a parallel to things in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a good talking point usually. Yeah, yeah, but um, but even without the, the the voiceover, which I think you know evokes these i these ideas that maybe that the approach of the new of of the Cybermen now that they establish a threat. It's looking at the um, the uh, the extreme ideology of what they are about. But I think it looked cool as well. You know it. Uh, not only did I think it was thought-provoking, it looked good. It was visually very impressive, and um, I quite like the idea. You know, we we have these bits of Cybermen mm-hmm. floating in space, which is picked up later on in the episode. I thought, but I thought it was a great way of introducing uh, to to begin the episode. And uh, you know, we zoom into the eye, and from the eye, we then go into the title sequence. Yeah, it was and a good th- transition. Yeah. 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 And then we get to the bit where we think we've sat on the remote, but um, <laughs> we end up in the Irish countryside. A man comes across a baby, mm-hmm. and him and his wife adopt. Nothing seems ominous initially. No. Um, but this is uh, this is Brendan. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not much more to say about that at present, is there? No, no, I, d- no, I don't think so. I just thought it was... Um, so we, we have this beginning of the episode, which looks like, you know, we're going to be focusing on the Cybermen, and then we're, we're in um, sort of ni- uh, 19th or early 20th century Ireland. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, oh, okay. It's a bit... But I actually thought that was, that was quite a nice uh, way to begin the episode. So we've got this sense of intrigue. Now we're in this uh, seemingly idyllic uh, setting. Uh, it's unfortunate that we just have this baby which has been abandoned but in a really odd way it's uh you know it it's a baby that's been abandoned in a basket clearly hasn't been there that long and no. is placed right in the middle of the road uh and I, but as you say it's sort of like well that's uh, sad but we're established to these two characters they seem you know they're married they clearly love each other maybe you get the sense that they've been trying for a child and for what reason or another it hasn't quite worked out you know they look after this child and after a year um the, uh, they're then given p- um, permission that they have now become that baby's legal parents so they've adopted yeah uh, and that's quite sort of nice it does fe- it does seem to play in a sort of a normal drama yeah even the abandoned baby from a real world perspective there's many circumstances especially at the time that would um that would cause someone to abandon the baby. Yes. So um, yeah. nothing seems um, too irregular at the moment. No, no, it doesn't. Um, but then, but then, as you say, it's sort of then okay. As soon as we've got used to, right? Okay, this is where this is how the story begins. So no, so no sooner have we got used to that location and that period setting, uh, they we then cut to somewhere else. Yeah, the fam have got coordinates from Percy. Was that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're in the far future, the aftermath of the Cyber Wars. I don't know where chronologically would put this in the Cyber Wars. But they supposedly find the final seven humans this side of the galaxy. Yeah. Um, and in this moment, the lone Cyberman turns up in a couple of little shuttles with some um, 2006 Cybermen. Oh, there's perhaps a little Easter egg here when the Doctor and the gang are speaking to the, the humans. Um talking about the ship she says I've been trying to fix it but there's been no spare parts could this be a little easter egg to Big Finish possibly I didn't pick up on that but um, yeah maybe it is a nice little throwaway yeah. line for for people to, to pick up on if uh, if they're familiar with uh, with the story yeah. it probably is actually I mean maybe. the episode is written by Chris Chibnall uh, who is a who is a fan and uh, which is probably is probably you know very much of, uh, aware and listens to Big Finish yeah. audio. Yeah. Um, you can't make his mind up. Is it canon? Is it not? Um, <laughs> earlier on this evening, um, I noticed Twitter had asked, asked me anything. And Big Finish had asked, is Big Finish still canon? <laughs> yes, I saw that Twitter. I was I was tempted to respond by saying it depends if I like the story or not. Um, but but uh, I'll, just, I'll just leave that. <laughs> so the team's got um, some tech that they each set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that bit where each of them is explaining what it does so finally the Doctor is quite prepared but ultimately it's all pretty useless isn't it yeah yeah it is but as you say I quite like that Every, you know, everyone's got their, their part to play in it uh, not only does it um, establish the the threat because we're really hitting the ground running at this point um, you know, the, uh, the TARDIS crew have arrived 
as you said, that they've encountered um, the last group of, of humans at this side of the galaxy, wherever that may be. Um, uh, and Cybermen are on their way. They're, they're a threat. There's no messing about. Um, they've got to defend themselves. And the Doctor has a, seemingly has a way to, to do that. So, one, it establishes um, the, uh, the situation and the potential threat. And it also functions as a way of introducing the the other characters, uh, which I thought was quite good. So the the the, um, the companions are setting up these defensive things, and they're explaining what it does. So it, it it's good for their character, but because they're talking to the people that we're just encountering, their reactions and the way everything it, it establishes them. So I thought that w- that was quite good. Um, but I also like the fact that. Um, when when they are when they are finally attacked, these things have come to naught. The reason why I like that was because it really establishes that they are in this dire situation and that the Cybermen really are a threat. And it's hardly surprising that they've in the Cyberwars they've got up to they've got up to this point because it doesn't matter what they do, it seems to be you know the, the, um, the Cybermen are just constantly relentless and posing this threat. So I thought it was I thought this was a really good. Um, because we're still in the early uh, parts of the episode, things are still being set up, and I thought this was—I thought this was excellent, personally. It uh, gets the characters a chance to get to know the new characters, mm-hmm. you know, opposed to just um, literally being alongside them in the line of fire. They get to—they yeah. get to interact with them, which is pretty quite good. And then the dr- the drones arrive, and <laughs> we get these flying heads. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it looks good or a bit naff, but um, all the same. Um, it works to come in destroy the the equipment. I remember the severed head that attacked Amy was pretty menacing, at least, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, 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 I remember that, and uh, how a skull falls out. I yeah. remember think, well, I don't know whether threat. I mean, clearly it posed a threat, but I didn't think it was quite as as potentially creepy because I thought that scene was played. It, it was played a bit for laughs, but a bit of a scare. It sort of was trying to have its cake and eat it, if you like, with trying to balance those two things at the same time. Mm. I thought it was. Funny. I thought this idea of Cybermen floating heads coming around and blowing things up could have been ridiculous, but actually, I thought uh, I thought they they got away with it, and that actually sounds like I'm damning it with faint, faint praise. I don't mean it to be. Uh, I thought I thought it looked good. I think the key was, you know, that we 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 see these things. I think we focus more on the fact of of things blowing up. And the action of it, we don't linger too much on the heads. Yeah. Um. So, th- which may be a good thing, but I didn't, I didn't, f- I didn't, f- I didn't find that moment took me out of the episode. I didn't find the thing no. ridiculous. And of course, it's not like they're constantly missing, um, the heroes here. A few mm-hmm. of them do die. Yes. A- and um, of course, they they shoot the equipment, which is what they were, what they were aiming to do. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing there's no, um organic components in these heads because they're not susceptible to um to these machines that the doctor set up yeah I so think they so, are yeah. um by de- by definition they're just um mechanical drones yeah yeah which you know begs the question you know what why are they made to look like cybermen heads but yeah but i, th- I think it's quite funny that it, it's been uh, now and again with cybermen stories they they are very much uh, on brand I mean, do you remember Tomb of the Cybermen? Yeah. Their logo is plastered all over the place. Um, 
so they're very brand you know got this thing of you know they got their brand on point so you know why why, why not have them as cybermen heads that's a curious thing that about the um, the logo that they that they maintain <laughs> yeah it's like you'd think they just they would be like without vanity <laughs> You could argue that it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a satire on uh, on on corporate image. Oh, yeah. That it doesn't re- involve any form of emotion. It's just bland corporate advertising. Yeah. <laughs> ah. It's clearly not. It's just it's just design, but anyway. Stop drawing parallels to obscure things. <laughs> so the team gets split up. They go up, well, a few of them go off to prep the um the grav raft. Is that what they called it? I think so. Yeah, unless I have made that up. <laughs> let's go. It's a good it. name. Yeah, let's go with it. The doctor feels like she's in a bad position. She feels reckless. I mean, isn't she always? <laughs> but yeah. um, she's got them in this position, even though she she did kind of know the threat. Yeah, but I mean, for the I mean, she did put everyone in this position because you know, because a poet had to live. Mm. Oh, for frick's sake. Um, so yeah, but the but again, this is something else. Um, the fact that she, that the doctor is scared of the situation, shows the dire situation that they're in. It's, it's this this whole thing, again, emphasizes the drama of the situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said in the previous podcast for the haunting, I said the, the the thing is that I found with the Cybermen, I like them as a concept, but I've tended to find that um, the way that they have been executed, uh, how they've been used in stories hasn't always worked and i mean that right across the board so classic who and new who i've always felt that the seven stories have been hidden miss mm-hmm. and i think one of the issues is that they haven't really been uh, utilized in the, the creepy scary fashion that they could have and i think a new doctor who in particular i don't think they have uh been used particularly effectively others will probably disagree that's fine just my personal take on it and so one of the things that I like about uh, the, the, the previous episode and this episode, uh, Ascension, is that they're really, you know, the, the, they've, they're bringing the threat of the Cybermen back in a big way. And I think uh, they're doing that right across the board. So in the previous episode, you know, it was this lone Cyberman and the way that he behaved and the lines of dialogue and so on. In some respects, it works as the way that Dalek did back in the Eccleston era, the way that that introduced the, the, the threat of the Daleks by seeing what a single... Uh, cyber, uh, a, sing- a single Dalek can do and Haunting had that sort of thing I was like right this is going to be our take on the Cybermen this, uh, this is what a lone one's like and if he's in charge of them all what the hell are they going to and this has continued uh, in this episode uh, and, and everything is going on so you know, we've established that this is the end of the Cyber War it's pretty much that all the Cybermen and humans are pretty much on the verge of extinction you know they're fighting for their lives. We're seeing this here. You know, there's things going off. People are people are dying, and the doctor's in a desperate situation. So all this, uh, for me, I thought was very effective in raising uh, the stakes. And if you know, if the doctor's not being flippant, then you, the audience, know that you know this is serious. And the very fact that it's the finale, you know, anything can happen. Yeah. Mid-series, you're pretty confident no one's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, so the the threat really feels real. There's a bit of a brave moment. Um, this young lad, Ethan, sacrifices his safety to save um, the elder guy. Um, yeah. But of course it was in vain. The um, the lone Cybermen knew the other guy was there and kills him. And um, 
he asks this kid to, um, well, he saves his life initially, and he says um, he wants him to spread the message. And he says that all life will fall and the Cybermen, Cybermen will rise again. I thought that was a good scene. In fact, funny enough, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Batman. You know, in the, the 1989 movie where... Uh, ba- the opening you know, scene? Yeah. Uh, you know, when he's fighting uh, two criminals on a rooftop. One, he basically... Uh, uh, he incapacitates, and then the other one, he says, you know, you know, please don't kill me. And he goes, I'm not going to kill you. I want you to tell all your friends about me. It just sort of reminded me of that because um, I, mean, I thought I thought I thought it was a good scene, but it sort of it reminded me of Batman. Yeah, totally. And you said uh, with that with that character, um, Ethan. Uh, yeah. I thought you know he's a, a an interesting um, character, played by uh, Matt Carver. I think um, they've got a good actor to, to play their part, and I, I think I understand that he uh, the actors at the very beginning of his of his acting career. Um, it'd be it'd be interesting to see what happens. I hope he does. I hope he goes on to do uh, good and great things. Um, and because as the episode progresses, he's not just someone who tags along. He, you know, he you know he he's a character who is very much part of the story. Uh, and shows how you know how brave he is, and uh, so again, you know, this early on, with the way that these new characters are introduced, um, I think this is a good continuation of that. Yeah, he's quite unique to um, compared to the other companions. He's got a, this unique skill set because he was born in wartime. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. And the Doctor's a bit curious. Um, how does he know what he's doing aboard the the Cyber Shuttles? Mm-hmm. And of course, he just says he was. Um, he was taught how to how to hijack them and destroy them. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the doctor used to hotwire warp drives for fun on weekends <laughs> when she was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Not that they had weekends or teenagers. I never I thought think. of it at the time, but it's just crossed my mind. Um, I mean, it could be. I, I thought that was uh, a nice little scene. I just I just took the dialogue to be uh, you know a little bit of humour. Mm. But actually. It's it's only because you mentioned it now. I wonder if that line is supposed to have greater uh, relevance. They didn't have teenage years, um, so that that would have. I mean, if we if we're to take that as read, you know, to take it seriously, then that's interesting in relation to Susan, the Doctor's granddaughter, mm-hmm. um, because in Earth terms, I think she's supposed to be sixteen or something like that. Yes. Um, but if the townlands don't have teenage, you know, so okay, that's a bit potentially interesting. But is there something else going on in that line? We, I guess, we know that physical age has little bearing on a time lord. Yeah. Um, we've we've supposedly seen a young Bill Hartnell in Listen, so we know the Doctor was a, an actual child at some point. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All we can do is kind of join the dots. Yeah, until, they, re- until they reveal more. Yeah. And then um, the fact that they didn't have weekends is a bit harsh. Oh god, it's a bit can totalitarian. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be the case that you know they they worked uh, one day a week, and the rest of the, re- the the rest of it was time off. We don't know, but yeah. I can't. Yeah, that just <laughs> just that awful. You need your weekends. <laughs> <laughs> so Brendan's grown up and he's joining the police force. Just a quick update on his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so we cut to that. Um, I think uh, I can see where you were coming from 
uh, when you said before, it felt like a bit like uh, maybe sitting on the TV remote and um, you're hopping, hopping for, <laughs> channel hopping and uh, coming to these different locations. I actually thought that this worked quite effectively. I thought that the the way that these scenes were edited into the episode, I thought it flowed quite nice, nicely. It didn't jar. Whereas with... Um, uh, oh, was it Praxius? Was that the episode with all... With the essentially the, the, the two beings who were stealing dreams? Yes. Yeah. Um, no, that... W- um, can you hear me? Yes, it is. So- yes, you're right. Sorry. It's not... Yeah, it's uh, can you hear me? Sorry. Um, well, that episode, it was you know it was part of the story where it had these different locations: present-day Sheffield, um, Syria in the, I think it was Syria, in the 14th century, and some space station f- far in the future or whatever. Um, but the way that story hopped around, I felt wasn't coherent. It it just seemed to be. I felt. That was sort of jumping around all over the place. Whereas with this story, I think the way that it was realised, the way that it was edited, you know, we've we've got these different locations, but I felt it flowed and it felt, um, it didn't feel jarring. So I, I quite, I like the way that it was handled. Um, so at this point in the story, everyone has really been split up. Um, so Graham and Yaz have gone on with the with the other survivors in their clonked clonked out ship. Um, the the Doctor, Graham, and who's that character we were talking about before? Ethan. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. The, the, uh, they've nicked a, a cyber ship, so they're heading off somewhere else. And then, as you said, then we've then cut back to uh, the. Uh, Yoldy worldy island, uh, and yeah, uh, Brandon's become Brandon's become a, a policeman. Mm-hmm. So, so again, change of setting, but I think it, it flowed quite nicely. But of course, you you are wondering, and obviously this is the the, the point of the way that the the story is being revealed. You're kind of wondering how is this eventually going to piece together. Um, but you know, you're just sort of going for the ride. Now, I quite liked these scenes. I think mm-hmm. they balanced out the the, the harsh science fiction elements of what was going on uh, with the Cybermen and how things seemed to calm down a bit and be a bit gentler yeah so, it went along so, at a good pace yes yeah yeah and of course like you said um, Yaz and Graham are on board this ship um, the Grav Raft I think I said and <laughs> um, they're told that they're going to try and get to the boundary and they do say here that the boundary patterns are never the same twice so mm-hmm. if they go through, the Cybermen can't follow. And the Doc and the other team are at warp in the Cyber cyber Shuttle. Some mm-hmm. nice visuals when they're going at kind of warp speed. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it did look really rather nice. I quite like those, uh, those, those visuals, yeah. The bad penny turns up. There's the hologram. The lone Cyberman. Um, <laughs> yeah. The lone Cyberman, what's his name? Ashard. Actually, I know he said Seamus. That's not him. <laughs> um, he seems confident that he'll be kind of victorious. Um, he admits he was a willing recruit for the Cybermen, which is quite interesting. Um, but yeah. he was denied. Hmm. Now he thinks he was chosen to revive the Cyber race. And the Doctor points out that um, he despises what he is. And he loathes his, old, his own being. Um, much like what Eccleston said to the Daleks in series one 
Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, again, it's interesting that Chris Jebel seems to be taking the, the same approach. There's nothing wrong with it, um, and I'm quite like how, how, how this is transpiring. But yeah, I think we can make those comparisons to how the Daleks were introducing Christopher Eccleston era and what uh, Chibnall is trying to do with the Cybermen here. Mm. Uh, and yeah, he does seem to have this sort of, I don't know, messiah complex. Uh, yeah, and you're right, it is interesting that you know he says that he was a willing recruit to the Cybermen. Mm. Uh, we've never encountered anyone who, who says that, but the fact that the Cybermen rejected him um, is interesting. Maybe they th- maybe there was something, but maybe he was too strong-willed, or or maybe something to do with his biology. Oh. Yeah, don't know. It's it's sort of interesting that the Cybermen, um, but and nonetheless, maybe in, maybe in a, their own sadistic way, if you volunteer, they won't convert you. Oh yeah, that's quite a that's quite a disturbing idea. Yeah, may mm. yeah maybe. Um, but obviously at some point he was partially cybernized. Um, so the, there's an interesting, there's an interesting backstory there, mm-hmm. uh, potentially. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, he see, he now sees himself as some sort of savior for the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I thought that scene was, was good and it handled the drama and the humor of the situation quite well. So, you know, the, the doctor is, um, you know, as you said, is saying you know you hate your very being, your very existence because it's this, it's this massive contradictions, and he just says, yeah, you're right. I, I, I liked uh, it was just oh, I didn't expect you to do uh, to, to agree with that. Okay, um, I yeah, quite... he's, he's quite unique. He's um, he's quite a rogue element who's taken on the mantle of the Cybermen, and of mm-hmm. course we've had so many cyber leaders, cyber controllers, etc. Mm-hmm. And they, you can't really make a distinction between them and the the Cybermen drones, can you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, apart yeah. From, apart from they have um, a bit of a title, <laughs> a bit more authority. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, consciously, um, there's not much difference between them, is there? Until now. Yeah, and uh, so, so one, I, I thought it was a good scene because it's sort of, it's sort of like you know those moments in a in a story when the Doctor has a conversation with Davros. You know, it's sort of that, that meeting of minds and then trying to, you know, it's it's a battle of where the other person's coming from. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can be the real sort of highlight of the story. They can be quite good. This is sort of, sort of, this story's equivalent, if you like. And I quite liked it, but the way that it progressed and the fact that the Doctor, you know, it seems to be, you know, I've got you, I've got you sussed. But then, just simply by you know, sort of going, yeah, you're absolutely right, but you're not going to win. You know, just putting the doctor on the back foot again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, so there's that constant battle, and again, it's it's maintaining that level of threat. I thought it was a very good scene. I liked it an awful lot. Yeah, and he goes on further to mention some more things. Um, he says the the rise of the Cybermen and beyond, whatever mm. it means there. And of course, the um, he mentions the death of everything. Um, the title of the episode is The Ascension of the Cybermen. Um, yeah. I don't know what re- relevance it has on this particular episode. Um, this is just a totally random train of thought here. But I recall Rassilon mentioning something in, um, in that David Tennant story. says the final sanction. And um, they were planning to ascend and become beings of consciousness. Which um, would destroy all, uh, all living life in the process. Ah, okay, yeah. Um, right. Just a bit of a similarity, 
just because of the episode title here, Ascension. No, no, you you could uh, you did very well to spot uh, to to spot that. It, that completely passed me by. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but I don't think there's enough dots to join the two together just yet. We'll see. No, but it's a uh, but it's an interesting comparison. Yeah. Then we go back to Brendan. He falls and survives. Um, a doctor examines him. No sign that he's found two hearts. Mm. Mm. Brendan's stepdad seems a bit uneasy about the whole thing, though, doesn't he? Well, I, th- I think you would, uh, because the, <laughs> you know the, the scene. So he's established that you know he's now a policeman. He seems to be doing quite well. He's chased uh, this thief. I was trying to wonder if the thief. Lo- I was trying to go. Is that the same guy who's playing Ashen? Is it? I, d- I don't think it was, but uh, I was oh. kind of thinking, is it? He looks a bit familiar, but I don't know. I may be completely off. But yeah, um, he gets shot and fall, uh, Brendan, that is, gets shot and falls off a cliff. And you're just going. So again, it's sort of, oh, that's a shame because you know you kind of, in the in the few moments that we've seen Brendan, you know, you kind of like him, mm-hmm. uh, and, and now he's dead, and you're still trying to. Where does this piece together? And he's fallen down this huge cliff, landed on a stony beach, and has survived, and. The bullet clearly went through his clothes because later on when he's been examined by the doctor. But there's no, as you said, there's no mark on him. No. Uh, and yeah, it, it, you know, his mother's very proud, but the the father's a bit uneasy. And I think at this point, because as as we said late uh, earlier, things take a very peculiar turn. But at this point, I think the father's reaction seems quite normal because you know you've just been shot. There's no bullet. What the hell's going on? You would be a bit kind of a bit. And Brendan yeah. seems a bit uncomfortable about the whole, you know, the situation because even he's finding it a bit odd. But you yeah. know, it's like, well, it happens. Let's just crack on, and I'll eat my breakfast. But yeah, and he, his dad could also be a bit superstitious about the whole thing. Maybe um, it's a bit um, I don't know, a bit like the devil's work going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you yeah. would wonder. Yeah. Um, the gang on the Paulus ship on the uh, the grav raft, they hear noises outside. Mm-hmm. Turns out to be the remains of the Cybermen. Thanks to Graham and Yasmin's experiences, they're kind of driven to find a way out of it. Re- remaining optimistic, unlike the others. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's quite good. Um, they turn to see some dormant ships. Yasmin sees it as hope, and Graham begins to plan. <laughs> It's, it's like I love who they are now like even without the doctor present you know they're, they're capable to remain calm think of a solution mm-hmm. and go with it confidently yeah. so they're not dependent on the doctor no no yeah and uh, that was yeah th- that's great and just you know seeing them able to cope because they've gone through these um, these uh, experiences and yeah it's great it just shows you know strength of character and it's just it's just nice to see the cyber ship looked quite big and menacing, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. Owen Graham says, "Don't panic. Don't take any deep breaths, because they ain't gonna come." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and there was a bit of a, a bit of a reference to the way that the the end of the woman who fell to earth and um, the ghost monument begins. Yeah, yeah, because they mentioned you know how they were stranded in space, and uh, that, that was quite a nice little reference. Uh, if you got yeah. it, I thought it was quite nice. Another nod to the fact that they've they've grown as characters. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazingly, they make it on board in one piece aboard the cyber ship. Mm-hmm. Um, bloody amazing sets, practical or visual. 
it was very convincing, wasn't it? Oh, a- yeah. It opposed looked, to the yeah. usual just being in a concrete tunnel with a few pipes, being told you're on a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, that does happen at some point in this episode, I'm sure. But, um... Yeah, and I think usually, you know, you're, you're able to suspend your disbelief and just accept it. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, when you compare those sort of moments to, to what we get here, this, you know, this is outstanding. I thought it mm-hmm. was... I thought it was stunning. Yeah, the whole design, the way it looked, you know, you, you sort of believed they were on this huge warship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it looked it looked brilliant. Totally agree. Yeah, but unfortunately, they've been followed. Um, they should have destroyed the other shuttle, shouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, because there was a part of it just going, you know, uh, well, that thing's a pile of crap. It's clonked out. You can't use it. But look. There's some nice shiny cyber um, ships that you can use. Maybe they could, you know, it did kind of maybe cross my mind that they could have took one of those. But at the same time, it's sort of, I mean, they don't know they've been followed, and they think, you know, maybe they've got a bit of a breather and let's explore. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't like um, oh, I don't know what it is. I cannot remember episode titles there today. Uh, it's not like that episode, you, you know, that um, Doctor Who does the birds. What was that called? Was that Praxius? That was Praxius, yeah. Yeah, Praxius. All oh, right, okay. Um, you know, and you know that guy who's told to keep an eye on the birds and walks all the way down the beach. Oh yeah, <laughs> just like Alpha oh, Frigate. You were just <laughs> asking for it. <laughs> you were just asking for it. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, you know, it was just something that crossed my mind. It wasn't sort of that that level of annoyance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, just you know, you going on for the ride and just accepted it. Yeah. Um, the Doctor gets through to Koshamis. Um. Who is he? Like an old Luke Skywalker? Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no one in particular. Decent. Yeah, he's a decent chap though. Yasmin tells Graham that he's come a long way. So I'm I'm worried someone's time is nearly up. I'll miss the family when it's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of interesting because I think we've said that um, we've been predicting, you know, predicting this, and I think we're not the only ones. I think a lot of people have got this uneasy sense that. At least some someone in the TARDIS uh, crew is going to die. I think we've said that, you know, I think we've had our eye on Yaz in relation to that. But now I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. It, um, might, it, it might be Graham. I mean, I don't want anything to go. But of my favourite, uh, Graham's my favourite, if I've got to be honest. Yeah. Um. So I hope it's, yeah, but I'm not... Yeah, there is that. I think we're all getting that sense that something horrible is going to happen. Someone's likely to die or depart the show in some maybe significant way. Um, Graham is getting on well with that woman. You know, when he's talking Cockney, she thinks he's strange <laughs> and she likes it. I mean, nothing might happen there, but it's, hey, a, it's le- a hint that he's he could move on. Yes, that's true. I learned something from this episode. I had no idea that have a butcher's comes from cockney rhyming slang butcher's hook look you didn't know no i didn't know that so i learned something from this episode so not only was i entertained by the drama i learned something so, so all these years people have been telling me to have a butcher's you've just been going out to the butcher's <laughs> no i knew when someone said that it meant to have a look but i i didn't i didn't know the origins of where that came from now i know i remember just completely random just i remember once this was when i was a kid and i was in town uh, with uh, with my mum and she said right okay because um, we were doing a bit of shopping she said right we need to get some we need to get some mints 
I was like, all oh, right, okay. Well, the corner shops, uh, there's a shop just there. We can get some mints there. And she went, no, I I'm saying we need to get some mints. We need to go to the butchers. And I went, why do we need to go to the butchers? They do go they're not going to sell mints. You get <laughs> mints there. So, <laughs> just, so I was thinking she said mints. But she said, but she said, but she was talking about mints. Not anyway. the polos. <laughs> no, not the polos. The ground up, bit of ground up lamb. Anyway, I thought she was talking about. <laughs> anyway, uh, comic misunderstanding. Yeah, uh -huh. It's a classic. <laughs> and not the mince meat that we put in pies. <laughs> no, no, not that mince. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I just thought I'd share that. Cool story. Um, they come across the hibernation chambers. Mm -hmm. um, you'd think they would have guessed you know, they're on a cyber ship and there's these kind of big coffin cabinets <laughs> I love the new design it's um, this warrior class it's a bit like um, the invasion style heads isn't it yeah I really like the uh, design of them as well because one of the things that I, I, to be honest I've never been that I mean don't get me wrong I don't think they were awful I think you know they're good for what they are but I've never been um, that keen on the design of the the Cybermen in New Doctor Who, the reason being is because they're too robotic. The idea of the Cybermen was that, um, well, one aspect of them was that they were technologically technologically advanced. So you know you would have metals and plastics and so on, which are strong and bendable and flexible. Uh, Cybermen are not robots. They have robotic elements to them, but they're not robots. But the the new designs seem to you know they are effectively robots. They're this very robotic thing. Whereas this new design that we have here seems to have, I think, the the best of the, the, the solid metallic look of new Doctor Who. It has that, that solid substance. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you notice that uh, you know they have flexible sort of um, plastic joints, which are obviously going to be very strong, but it's that idea of flexibility. So I think they've, yeah, it's, it's a great design. They've They've got that substance, and they seem to have it's the, the design also because they're the, these are warrior class Cybermen. I think it's quite nice. I think it's a good idea. Um, they seem to have they seem to have this sort of armor look to them. I think you know their shoulders seem to have spikes and yeah things like yeah. I think it's a really really good design. I like it. I like the fact that they're putting a, a designation to them like the warrior class. Like um, it doesn't mean that the other styles are redundant or obsolete. Um, mm -hmm. I was yeah. watching the subtitles for this episode, and the Cybus Cybermen were called Cyber Gods. Oh, okay. In the subtitles. Uh huh. Um, in the early scenes of the episode. Yeah, yeah. All right. So okay. I, I wonder if that'll stick. I hope so, because I think that's uh, that'd be quite good. And talking about the different visual styles, um, I think Russell T. Davis um, said he wanted the look. To really look like they were made of steel, mm -hmm. like very metallic, like solid. Yeah. Yeah, opposed to the um, more plasticky look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, back with Cole Seamus, the Doctor turns up, and um, it's revealed that he he fought in the Cyber Wars, mm -hmm. and he escaped from a camp. I thought that was uh, um, sorry to interrupt. No I just thought that was uh, they're the, the establishing new cyber folklore, if you like, in this episode as well. Uh, that line of dialogue where he's talking about you know 
there there are these cyber camps. You know, they've rounded up humans and put this in, put them in this camp to process them. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think it's quite obvious the imagery that that conjures up. Yeah, because it's it's drawn a parallel to what we know. Um, yeah, um, and you know that adds another disturbing element to the Cybermen, and it's realistic in terms of you know what they're supposed to represent. Uh, and, and what they're about and what they do, but, but it just yeah. it just needs to be said. We don't need to be shown the images of it. Um, yeah, in it, um, it initially it straight away it just invokes this terrible visualization, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 So Koshemus said that everybody passed over the boundary, but he stayed he stayed behind to help others through. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. Yeah. yeah, as I said before, yeah, seems a seems a nice chap, decent sort. <laughs> Unless he pulls his face off and it's um, John Sim underneath. Oh, that'd be disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Not because there was the turn of John Sim, it just but yeah, it, 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 yeah. Yeah, I wonder if Coach Seamus is an anagram for something. No, <laughs> it's not the master. <laughs> um, so. Back on the cyber ship, they realise that they've been boarded. Oh no, things are getting bad, Liam. Yes, not, yes, not good. They are. The Cybermen find the abandoned warrior class troops, um, and he says ascension is near. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start to worry that the Cybermen, well, they start to say that they can't take the Cybermen to the boundary. Because of course the same men could go could cross the boundary, um, yep. but Yaz and Graham feel confident that they shouldn't give up, mm-hmm. regardless of um, the risk. Yeah, it's quite cool. Um, but what is um, the lone Cyberman? I forget his name. Um, what's he doing? He's making the Cybermen scream. Is he removing their inhibitors? Yeah, I don't know what he was doing in that scene. I mean, it was quite chilling. Uh, and it's not just him, because another Cyberman does something similar to to another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems to be um, harming them in some way. And and the fact that, you know, because this, this is being viewed, and it's even said that, you know, we're dealing with a Cyberman who can make other Cybermen scream. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how... That's how much... Uh, that's how much in the crap we are. This is how dangerous this thing is, mm. uh, Ashid. Um, but yeah, I didn't know what he was doing at that point. Mm. I mean, was he just doing it for the sake of it? But it didn't see. It seemed to be. He seemed to be doing it for a specific purpose. Yeah. Was it some sort of upgrade? But he couldn't have done it to them all if there's tens of thousands of them. Hmm. No, okay. no, definitely not. So maybe it was so. so that that's why I was thinking maybe it's some sort of upgrade. So you does have you just has to do it with one cyber and then somehow that's you know it's sort of passed on like a software update to everybody else. But I don't know. I didn't seem to. It, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was quite chilling, but it didn't make it didn't make any sense. Mm, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. Know. I didn't understand. Um, we're taken back to the beach, and Koshima shows them the. Um, the breach on the beach. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. sure. It responds to proximity, um, mm-hmm. and in the doctor's case, it it opens up to Gallifrey. Yeah. Mm. Um, back to Brendan now. He retires, <laughs> and he's given a ticking clock. Um, 
much like the one that Ruth and the Doctor have heard. Yeah, that's true. Now, at this point, so, okay, we, we've cut forward, to, seemingly forward, to, to Brendan's life. And now he's retiring from the police force. He's given he's given a clock. And you go, right, okay, the time period. Because when people uh, retired and left their service, they were given a watch or a clock. Um, so that's, you know, and that was the case, you know, this sort of tradition that went on for, for ages, even even in our own lifetime. So that seemed fine, but yeah, I was I was aware that the, just the sound of it, I was just going, is this some sort of significance? And again, you're sort of trying to determine where this episode is going, but then, because you know, there's a, there's a sort of questions posed as the episode goes along. Been going along for the ride and been quite, uh, you know, just enjoying it, accepting for what it is. Then at this point. I felt like my brain had melted and was leaking out my ears because I was just like, what the heck? What? Eh? I was completely confused. Um, so, do you want to describe what happens here? Um, well, he goes outside and he's faced with a younger version of his dad. Well, actually, and... it's at this point, they haven't aged for quite a while at this point, have they? No, I suppose not. And also his superior alongside him, yeah. Yeah, the sergeant. Uh, mm. Yeah, because it was at that point because I, uh, I hadn't actually. I thought I thought that actually for the age that it was supposed to be, uh, they look quite good and they, they haven't aged that much. But I just you know, it was at this moment it was just like oh bloody hell yeah they, they haven't aged a lot and you know when you compare them to, you know because Brendan, Brendan has aged yeah you know he, he went from a baby man. to a grey old man <laughs> yeah and then you're just going. Right, okay, so that sort of throws you. And then the fact that they tell him to go back into the police station he's just left. Mm -hmm. To the back room. And then they handcuff him into a chair. Mm -hmm. And you're going, what what the hell's going on? And then they, you know, because the the clock has been placed and that's ticking away. And then they put this thing on his head and seemingly... Oh, uh, and then they say that... um, you've done great service we're very sorry that you won't remember any of it and then they seem to electrocute him hmm very strange the initial scenes with Brendan of him growing up they seemed quite quite real because they're not they weren't specifically from Brendan's perspective because he was just a baby so the father character seemed very um, very much real nothing ominous about him mm-hmm. Um. So this fi- these final moments with Brendan, is it perhaps not real? Like a virtual reality or a mix of real memories kind of reinterpreted? Um, when they do drag him into the back office, they put these electrode headphones on his head. Yeah. Much like a Cyberman headpiece. Yes. Um, they say, we have to get rid of everything, I'm afraid. Thank you for your service. And he's electrocuted and he screams. Screams like the Cyberman did. Um, yeah, could this be their sleeping unconscious? Yeah, I was wondering that as well. Um, I mean, I was so baffled at the time, but thinking about it afterwards, because, yeah, you're right. They take him into the back office, place electrodes to his head, tell him they have to start over and that he will not remember anything. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be happening at the same time that uh, Ashed is, is like electrocuting and uh, um, that, that Cyberman and making him scream. So yeah. maybe that's the link. And maybe it's sort of... Um, a bit like um, Silence in the Library, you know. Was that uh, if you if you can see where I'm coming from with that comparison? Yeah, totally. Um, um, although, if um, 
it could be a coping mechanism from in the like in the in the human part of the subconscious. Um, if it is the Cyberman's original true identity, mm. um, of course, why did he survive the fall, and why did he grow up in the past and now converted in the far future? The, there's not really a connection there. Seems no. unlikely. Um, so yeah, there's not much more to go on, is there? No, but it's 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 very intriguing. Um, I quite liked how those the, the moments transpired during the episode again because I felt that even though we're going to completely different location and time period, I think it flowed quite nicely, and it also provided some nice tonal texture to the episode, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the intrigue, as I said. And then you've got this thing at the end which seems to complete uh, throw a spanner in the works, completely le- you know take a complete left turn and go, what the hell is going on? Um, it will very much depend so I, li- I liked very much how that was part of this episode it will of course we will have to see where it goes in the final episode and mm-hmm. if all this will pay off and tie up in, um, in a satisfying way we'll have to wait and see but at the moment uh, I thought this was quite good and strong yeah Um. Yaz gets through to the doctor and informs mm-hmm. them of the of the threat. The Cybermen are about to break in. Will they be saved? It doesn't seem that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, but yeah. let's hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, let's hope there's a ventilation shaft in that, in that room that they can escape. Yes. Because <laughs> so I haven't had one of those in a while in Doctor Who, and I think we do one. Yeah. Or maybe they bust in and they're, they're actually in the wrong room. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're at the other end of the ship <laughs> that'd be fantastic oh, I want that to happen now yeah that'd be oh. <laughs> the boundary opens to reveal the citadel so now they know it's Gallifrey and the master makes a, a good entrance <laughs> be afraid doctor because everything is about to change forever Ooh. yeah mm. <laughs> is it Rob is it going to change forever Maybe. <laughs> Should we see what the listeners thought? Well, yeah. Well, just before before we hold off, I'll, I'll give you a chance to see uh, see what you thought. <laughs> no, I was just wondering. So, um, do you have any speculations about which part in particular? <laughs> oh, love it. No. Um, so obviously, I think I'm wondering. Do you think it's going to be so? It's this whole. Th- so we seem to be going into this thing where this whole thing to do with a timeless child is going to be revealed, or we're going to be at least told something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gallifrey is going to play a big part in the next episode. So that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cybermen are still going to be a threat. Uh, it seems to be suggested that when humans were escaping um, from the Cyber Wars and they were going through this, this thing, which now seems to lead to Gallifrey. Is it that um, Time Lords are descended from humans? That did occur to me. Um, but um, they did say that the boundary changes each time. So it, the, ba- the, the breach could be personalised to each person who approaches it. That's true, but there's a couple of things. So it could be because a lot of people don't know really how this thing operates so that 
so we don't actually know whether that's true or not. Is it just guesswork that it changes? The other thing as well is, could it just be a case that it changes, it, that it all links to Gallifrey? It just changes the time period of where Gallifrey enters. Because that, that decent chap, you know, when he said, you know, when it reveals Gallifrey, he says that it's never looked like that before. Mm. Now, you could read it to mean that it's never showed Gallifrey before, or you could read it that Gallifrey's never looked like that before. Hmm, okay. I feel um, inclined to think he's just never seen this before. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to, yeah. just have to wait and see. No, I was just wondering if you had any... Um, no, no, but that did occur to me. Could the Time Lords be descended from these human refugees? Yeah, uh, maybe, or maybe it was because, you know, the, maybe Time Lords are descended from some, I don't know, warp thing between humans and cyber. Anyway, we'll have, I doubt it, but uh, with that, with the Cybermen thrown in. We'll just have to wait and see. Over on Twitter, Doctor Who the Target World podcast said... Well, it certainly just asked more questions than gave us answers, but I thought the explosions and war bits were quite spectacular. But I think there was a bit of dragon in the middle, but otherwise a very good episode. Need to watch it again for the next episode on my, of my podcast. Mm. It, yeah, it does require a second watch. Uh, oh, yeah. We, <laughs> I did before yeah. we started this, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, and uh, I think yeah, uh, I totally agree that the special effects I think were very impressive throughout, not just the explosions at the beginning, but th- you know, special effects as well. I personally didn't think that it dragged in the middle, but I agree that this was a very good episode. Rob Keeley said, "Excellent, scary, compelling Doctor Who. Again, an uneven season looks like ending on a high. Guess mm-hmm. the Brendan thing just before the end. Hmm, guessed it." Um, can't wait for next week. I wonder what he means by he. Yeah. He was it? Is it obvious to everyone else but us? <laughs> I, I guess that was that's what was going on. <laughs> hmm. Or maybe yeah. I wonder what he means by that. <laughs> Please explain. <laughs> what did you guess? What were we getting? Are we thick? <laughs> everyone saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Brett Hall said, I feel it's fine for what it is. My problem is that being the first part of a two-parter, a lot of the runtime is spent setting things up for next week without much in the way of payoffs or anything this week. I worry next week will be exposition heavy as they try to explain it all. Um, I think that's a legitimate concern. Yes. um, Yeah, I think it's a legitimate concern. It all very much depends on Yes, I agree. Um, that this is obviously all setting up. I like what was in this episode, but of course, it it very much depends on where the next episode takes it with. Because if if we're not given a set, because this is a two, you know, the haunting was the prologue. This is the the first of a two part episode, and the episode you may think like I do that works, but if the next episode doesn't satisfy it brings this episode down you know so yeah even though it's setting everything up the the the, if you're just going to have an exposition heavy episode it's not it's not going to be great um it depends on how yeah i totally agree with that it uh it does depend on where the next episode's going to take it but 
I, do. I guess we'll see is uh, is the mystery one of Chibnall's strengths you know last week was a prelude to this week this week's yeah. a prelude to next week um, is it the build up that um, the more enticing thing about this series we'll see yeah we'll have to see I mean I, I, at the moment things are looking really good and I don't think we're going to get uh, you know, a season finale like the battle of Avro rank oh, I almost remembered it the battle of I can't remember the name um, because that was I mean the episode in itself was a bit disappointing but as a season finale it was a re, you know it was really a damp squib mm. um, I don't think we're going to get any, it doesn't seem to be we're going to be getting something like that this seems to be we're going to have something truly exciting let's just hope you know that our expectations are met or exceeded hope it's not too much of a game changer we'll see well I don't mind that but obviously it depends on um, what's actually changed if it is I mean what you know we have it was hinted at the very beginning of the of the season you know with uh, Spyfall mm-hmm. uh, that with the master you know everything you know is a lie and this is reiterated here when he comes back at the end of the episode you know everything's going to change at this point so okay this is intriguing let's see it's really funny because I think um, I think Chibnall is potentially in a lose-lose situation here uh, because either everything does change and you know a lot I mean the show is cement you know the show's success depends on change uh, that's in the DNA of Doctor Who but you know but he has come in for a lot of criticism some of it's warranted some of it isn't but either everything does change and people are going to get on his back about it or nothing or nothing changes and everyone's going to get on his back about that because it's just going he said everything was going to change and nothing's what um, so yeah we'll just have to wait and see how it pans out uh, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong um, Triadne it's T-R-I-A-D-N-E um, said the writing and direction were awful at the level of high school children, so many inconsistencies. This is an embarrassment to the BBC. New Saberman design was nice. <laughs> okay, I do that, agree that... about the new Saberman design. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that because we, we we did comment on that. was a, It was a very good design. It's very interesting. Um, is uh, it's interesting that they saw this episode and, and sort of found it a cringing experience uh, by the sounds of it I, I'd, I'd see it as quite the opposite I would agree mm. that there's some very very broad inconsistencies um, with how these episodes make us feel in this series mm-hmm. yeah mm. I think yeah it's sort of interesting because I think a lo- I think the consensus on the whole was I mean you, you did have people sort of on the, the extreme sides of it but I think on the, the consensus was with the previous series there were good moments in it. There were some good episodes in it, but it was a bit disappointing. Uh, I di- now I didn't understand the passions instilled in people because you know some people seem to absolutely rave about series eleven uh, and how wonderful it was, and some people were just like really down on it. Whereas to me, it's like, I don't understand how it instills the- these passions. It's just an okay series, yeah. you know. Uh, on the whole, this series, on the other hand, uh, was season tw- series twelve. Yeah, I think you're right. It it has really instilled a lot of, uh, and you can kind of see it because, and I think that's part and parcel of the way that these things go. At least it's doing something. Yes. Um, and you're either going to like what it does, or you don't. And 
it has been sort of like been peaks and troughs. Um, we may disagree on individual episodes, but on the whole, I think a lot of people have said, you know, I absolutely love this episode, this one, or this episode's just been absolutely appalling, you know, whatever. It, I th there's episodes in this series which I don't think anyone would say it was okay. I think you either think it's good or you were disappointed by it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you know we've absolutely said it on many occasions. I was disappointed with Orphan Fifty Five, and I will continue to kick that episode to death. <laughs> anyway, you know, but you know it can you can kind of under, understand why it would instill you know passionate responses. Yeah. it is and a very think... passionate response. I assume she is a fan of the show, so uh, and mm -hmm. you have to acknowledge um, everyone's feelings. You know. Um, We've all had moments in Doctor Who where it's possibly felt a bit cringe, or we thought the writing <laughs> yeah. wasn't was on the level of high school children. In some cases, it actually was. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but I just uh, but I just agree with it on this occasion. I mean, I think that's an interesting response. Uh, it's a, it's sort of one of those things. It's a bit of a shame the limits on Twitter. It'd be quite interesting to uh, to get a bit more uh, of her. Of her feedback on the episode, and yeah. you know, because um, I do find that a very interesting response, because it's it's a complete variance with with us, I think. Um, but maybe it's because we're stupid and we ask it, you know, school kids. Um, I wasn't, I didn't find the episode cringing or embarrassing at all. No, but at least we at least we can agree that the Cyberman design was good. Oh, totally. Yes, <laughs> we'll <Yeah>. agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Theta Sigma's Doctor Who podcast said. Story-wise, this was superb. Peril for the characters. The Cybermen were amazing. The mm. action was excellent, and the special effects brilliant. Nine out of ten. Sadly, however, Jodie Whittaker simply doesn't deliver those all-important speeches with any gravitas. Shame, as the rest of her performance was outstanding. Uh, that's not something that had occurred to me. Um, but do you think that's that's right to say, Liam, about Jodie Whittaker's? Um, his dialogue? Um, maybe personally, not in this episode, but there have been episodes in the past where I think, you know, th there have been moments when Jodie Whittaker, because she's a very good actress, she, you know, she has given a very good performance, but then there's something about um, the way that she will deliver a particular speech I haven't been sold on. Um, so I can understand the criticism and I can understand where it's, where it's coming from. Not in terms of this episode personally, but there have been moments in the past where I thought, you know, great overall performance, but that scene, the performance could have been a bit sharper. So um, I don't understand where they're coming from with that. Um, but everything else I totally agree with, uh, with regards to this episode. Davros said, <laughs> I genuinely don't know. I have to watch it again. Fair point. Fair, yeah, yeah, fair point. Yeah, no, I <laughs> can get that because... There is an awful lot going on, um, and especially the way that the episode ends. You know, you are throwing a bit of a curveball. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I can get yeah, I can get that. Steve Hyatt said, "Bloody brilliant!" But I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do, and yeah, it uh, hopefully we'll we'll get those answered uh, in the next episode. Herald of Creation said. There was no real coherent narrative. It just felt a bit thrown together. Um, 
to a point, I guess that's right the the first part of that about an incoherent narrative, not detrimental to the story, but um, it's hard to draw parallels between them initially. I don't agree that it felt a bit thrown together because the pace was staggered between not just two but kind of three narratives, wasn't it? Yes, uh, and uh, I thought it was handled very well in terms of the writing. And again, as I said before, I think the the editing. I think this is an episode where the editing was key. I thought that these changes of look because this could be an episode. I mean, this is what this person thinks. This this could have been an episode that could have failed on that, and that's what they think. Fair enough. But me personally, I thought the editing was was very good. So the these different locations. And the pacing and the tone of the episode kept engaged, and I think I think it flowed very well. Uh, whereas an episode like um, "Can You Hear Me," I think failed on that. But I think that was a failing in terms of across the board, in terms of way that the story was written and edited together. I think more the writing there. But yeah, Bobby Marco said, "Fantastic, truly intense at times." beautiful and a lot of mostly good character beats it's sort of interesting that uh, the feedback that we're getting because i think it's like what we're seeing before this series seems to instill passionate responses and i don't think it's this series hasn't produced episodes where you can be indifferent about you know i, I don't think there are episodes in this series where you think it's okay you either like it or you don't and i think this is the feedback that we seem to be getting because it seems to be, you know, we, you know, for every person who says that they like it, we're getting people who say that they don't. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it's nice we've got someone else here who says that they like it, because um, uh, that's that's nice in of itself. But because we also agree with them. Um, but uh, but no, it, it's sort of interesting that we we're getting those um, th- those variants of responses uh, with just the one episode. I can see, I can see why it would, um, but yeah, this this is a, a series where, yeah, I don't think there's an episode in here where I feel like I was indifferent, indifferent about. I either really liked it or I really didn't. Uh, we've got another response on Twitter from Bad Wolf sixty six. Um, what they've done, this is a quite a lengthy thing. What they've done is that they've. Um, uh, provided a screenshot. So what they've what they've said is last minute review and speculation. So the episode overall was decent but not perfect. It did kind of feel like an RTD finale than a Moffat finale, which is a good thing in my opinion. As for the t- timeless children, who the hell knows? Are they Mendesian Cybermen? Just Cybermen? Are they human? I noticed something when thinking about Ashad. I wondered if Ashad the Cyber Zealot survives beyond series twelve. If so. He would make a good enemy for the Doctor with his many reappearances, far more intimidating than Tim Shaw. He would give the Cybermen a human voice like Davros does for the Daleks. Ah, interesting, some of the comparison earlier on. Yeah. Um, or uh, Loctus Seven for the Borg. Also, it does make you wonder why the Cyber leaders of Revenge, Earth Shock, Attack, and Silver also Cyber Zealots. They expressed emotion. It was mild, but you could tell the Cyber leader from Earth Shock was sadistic. It's great that the Cybermen are now a real threat again, unlike in Moffat's era where they were mainly props in the dialogue-heavy ego trip. Um, it raises a th- concern of mine that I don't want the Cybermen to be easily defeated. I want them to be a lingering threat. 
Yeah, I agree. I sort of, I think that's a, that's a really interesting comment, um, and it's uh, it raised you know some comparisons that uh, that I made in the in the podcast earlier. Um, I would quite like to see Ashad as a as a reoccurring villain, but it's like what you said, Rob. Not all the time. It was sort of interesting when Stephen Moffat was talking about the Daleks because he said that you know the fact that the Daleks constantly reappear means that they are constantly defeated, so it removes the threat. And he said that all the time, and I thought, well, I'm pleased he recognises that. Maybe he's going to limit the the appearance of the uh, of the Daleks then, but he didn't. Yeah. They just kept on reappearing, and it diminished. Uh, their potential and threat um, so that's a problem um, so I agree with what Bad Wolf um, 66 says there, it would be quite nice if Shed does come back as a reoccurring villain, sort of in the same way that the cyber leader in classic Doctor Who comes back, because it's sort of hinted that it's the same cyber leader that the Doctor is encountering um, is this it- going off the scene in Earthshock? Yes, I think yeah, yeah. Um, well, so if you got a, a shad, that would really sort of cement that. I'm not saying that he is the same cyber leader in, in the classic Doctor Who series, but it would be what I mean is it'd be quite nice that you know it's established that we've got this character who is a threat and he does come up. Uh, but again, it would ha- I would want it to be once in a while because I want I wouldn't want the threat that is established here and the potential to be diminished. Mm-hmm. It's about how you use them. Use them sparingly, but use them. And utilise them in a very good, strong story. Um, so I agree with that. But um, you don't want to overuse it like the Daleks. Because the Daleks are a great creation. But I think that um, after Dalek Mania in the 60s, the fact that... Um, I think they were a bit overused a little bit in the John Pertwee to Tom Baker era, although the stories are good, but the fact that they then only appear three times in the whole of the 80s mm-hmm. in what are arguably you know, very good stories. It's like, right, we've got this brilliant thing, we've got, we can use them to tell a good story. You want that sort of approach. Yeah. Once for each Doctor, wasn't it? Um, yeah, We're yeah. very fortunate that um, Colin Baker got a turn, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were. So I think um, I think it's to say safe to say that you know we were quite impressed with the episode and, and liked it. Um, in terms of a score, what would you give it, Rob? Oh, I'm still undecided. I'll get there in a moment. Um, see, it's a bizarre episode. It's got these two narratives that don't seem to connect, and it depends heavily on part two. So yeah. it keeps you guessing, which is a good thing. Um, the threat felt genuine, so we'll see if anyone gets converted or killed in the next episode. Um, <laughs> my only concern is that there's so much that needs answered in the next episode. Um, I'm worried it might feel a bit rushed. Um, I'm guessing we're going to have Ruth's Doctor, possibly. Um, the Timeless Children, Brendan, the Master, maybe Jack Harkness, the Siberium, the fate of the fam. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, just it's yeah. too much to sum up in an episode. Forget, uh, yeah, and the fact that we're also going to be popping off to Gallifrey by the looks of it. Yeah. Uh, I do and... wonder, is this Chibnall's attempt at making Gallifrey something that needs to be obtained? Like, he's retconning Hellbent. 
a little not bit. Bad. That won't be. That's no bad thing. Um, uh, you know what I mean. Um, bringing back this sense that the Doctor really, really, um, really has a longing for Gallifrey since the anniversary. It's sort of funny with Gallifrey because it's one of those things where you know Gallifrey is a really you know interesting um, uh, location and a, and an idea, but. When the show has tended to go to Gallifrey, um, arguably it doesn't work. I think it's sort of one of those things where it works much better as an idea and as a concept of more of what the Doctor is is against, and I think works much better metaphorically. You know, um, there are exceptions. You know, when we're first introduced to Gallifrey in the Time Lords, it's 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 very, it's in this very, you know, it's basically a trial room in the War Games, mm-hmm. and they're kept mysterious. And you know, they pop up once in a while in uh, the John Pertwee era. Um, Do you think it's quite a metaphor for non-conformity? If the Doctor runs away. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like not having yeah. to conform with society and the rules. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, so it really depends on how you utilize um, the time lords. When Robert Holmes turned them into this sort of sort of be sort of it was this mixture of um, Renaissance Italy and Gormenghast, it it sort of made sense why the Doctor would want to get you know get away from a society like that. But when you have, you know, when you have these stories like, even though I have a huge soft spot for Ark of Infinity, I can see why some people would also be quite disappointed because essentially, you know, Gallifrey is just seen as this place where time lords hang around, sit and come to be drinking cocktails. Um, it should be a bit more interesting than that. Mm-hmm. It could, it could be argued that really the the only time Doctor Who's ever been successful in betraying Gallifrey is. You know, fully when you're there as a location is the five doctors. And it's very um, utopian with the fountains and the white rooms and things like that. Yeah, but at the same time, it's sort of like, but you know, there's this darker edge to them, and um, you know, you know, the fact they got this, you know, the death zone and yeah. all the rest of it. You know, it works when Terence Dix, uh, you know, was was in control of it because he essentially was the one who created the time lords in the first place. And then it sort of works in, in New Doctor Who when you know when we see these glimpses, but it's you know you're sort of held back on it a bit. Um, so we're going back to Gallifrey. Don't get me wrong. I well, it seems to be that we're going to be going to Gallifrey. I am looking forward to it. Um, to answer my own question with this episode, Ascension. At the moment, I give it ten out of ten because I really enjoyed the episode. I don't really have any faults with it. I really enjoyed it, but. I do give the caveat that that very much depends on how the next episode uh, progresses. Because as you said, and as some of the the listeners' feedback has said, um, you know, a lot is riding on the next episode. And there's an awful lot that needs to be explained mm-hmm. in terms of this episode. But the fact that we're also going to Gallifrey adds another element to it as well. Um, so we're just going to have to wait and see. Well, that's where I was going because I was tying between a 9 and a 10. A mm-hmm. nine, based on the fact that uh, it was based on my concerns for next week. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna stick stick my guns and go over ten. Oh, uh, okay. Based on this episode and and my reaction to it. 
<laughs> but yeah, concerns for next week is the main thing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, not massive. Uh, I mean, because uh, this episode's really good. It's sort of, well, uh, I'm not going in with, with, well, maybe this is a bit of a problem. So I'm not going in t- to watching the next episode with low expectations. You know, I'm expecting something good. Uh, I've got a. F- I've got a sneaking suspicion that we are going to get a good season finale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's certainly not going to be boring, and that's the main thing. Um, because you know, Doctor Who, you know, it it can have fantastic episodes. There's stories that have been absolutely crap, and I mean that during the entire uh, history of the show. But the one thing it should never be, because the format of the show shouldn't allow it, is it shouldn't be boring. And yet, somehow, over the course of the years, some boring episodes have, have, have cropped up. Yeah. So whatever next week's episode's going to be, it's certainly not going to be boring. So at least that's something. Yeah. Did you watch the next time trailer? Yes, I did, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think it leads in with um, the Masters quoting um, Ozymandias by, um, by Percy. Yes, it look, did. Look yeah, upon yeah. Look my world, Doctor, in despair. Yeah, again, he he altered it slightly. You know, yeah. look upon my world. Ye mighty, my, my world. <laughs> yeah, um, as you as you said last week when I uh, was really shoehorning these references, in, this is like I beat the master in that. <laughs> um, uh, but as you said, so what's the use of a good quote if you can't change it? But yes, not much is revealed. Um, there's a scene where the Doctor is standing behind these rings of light I think you mm-hmm. see, see it better in a promotional screenshot um, yeah. for me I thought that was a bit reminiscent of um, Jeffrey Beaver's master in the movie you know behind the neon lights <laughs> oh yes I forgot about that oh yeah yeah. but again oh, that, that was maybe on the Scarrow not, not Gallifrey no yes it was on Scarrow oh yes yes it was hmm Maybe the master that get ki- that gets killed at the beginning of the TV movie is this master. Okay, we might see him get exterminated, and then that leads into the Paul McGann TV movie, and then we get and Paul McGann. So uh, it was on TV the series. Scar was that my old enemy, the master, was finally put on trial. And um, they say he doesn't scar because he's so. Uh, yes, so he was on trial. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, we don't know that he's definit- definitively a, a post Missy master we did try to justify it maybe um the whole thing with gallifrey sent him over the edge who knows <laughs> who knows well i think until next time yep goodbye bye everyone <laughs>